Matthew in your Bibles, book of Matthew, chapter 28, Matthew chapter 28 in our Bibles tonight. If you need a handout, raise your hand. We've got a couple of ushers here ready to get that to you. Looks like we've got a couple up front here on, my, on the organ side. Matthew chapter 28 in your Bibles. When you hear the words, Great Commission, what do you think about? What, what comes to your mind when, when I make the statement, Great Commission, when you hear that? What comes to your mind? We have one more up here. Aaron, thank you. What comes to your mind when I say Great Commission? Witnessing, okay, May, good. Charlie? I'm sorry? Okay, the risen Christ, okay, great commission. Teaching, okay, discipleship. Somebody over here, yes. Okay, the commission that Jesus Christ gave to his apostles, the 11 originally. Somebody else? Missionaries, yes, Jake? Ah, something you earn from sales, Sure. It'd be good if it was a great commission, right? If you're going to be earning, making a living off the sales. Yes, Tanya. Obedience, all right. All right, sometimes people think of uh, gospel tracts. Sometimes people think of soul winning, uh, knocking on doors. Sometimes when we think of the great commission, as you mentioned, we, someone mentioned missions. Um, sometimes we think of programs, like outreach programs. Um, sometimes people would think of uh, like a bus ministry, or um, I mentioned door knocking, but we used to have, I think years and years ago, Thursday night visitation, Saturday visitation, these sort of things. And it's easy, I think, to limit the Great Commission to, or relegate it to something, a certain technique, or a certain program. But, you know, programs come and go. Have you noticed that with time? Programs come and go, and uh, we should, I teach this in my Sunday school class when we do a new members class, don't ever get addicted to a program, okay? Programs come and go, all right? But there is a program uh, that is God's program that he gives us in his word, and uh, I want to look at it a little bit tonight and next week. And the Jex has called it out, and it has to do with discipleship. Now, we actually have a discipleship program at Trinity Baptist Church. But as we're going to see tonight, and and really next week we'll get into this a little bit more, um, discipleship is not a program. It's not a curriculum. It's not something that a person ever finishes in this life. And we we tend to look at discipleship as something... You know, it's 13 weeks, or maybe it's 6 months, or maybe it's 12 months. And you go through the program, you complete the book, you memorize the verses, you get your leader to sign off, and you're done. You're done with discipleship. You've graduated out of discipleship. And that's not true. That's not true at all. So I want to look at what I've entitled the disregarded part of the Great Commission. When we think of the Great Commission, we often think, I think, of door-knocking, missions, evangelism, passing out gospel tracts, some programs. 
But there's a part of the Great Commission, I think, that's been disregarded. And I actually think it is absolutely as important as the giving of the gospel. And that is discipleship. And we'll see that here tonight. Uh, look at our text, Mar- or, excuse me, Matthew chapter 28, and look at with me in verse number 19. In fact, let's start in verse 18. He says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now, how much power is Jesus saying here has been given unto him? All. Wow, that's a lot of power, isn't it? Uh, do you like powerful things, Ryan? Ashley, you like powerful things? Yeah, me too. I like powerful things. Jesus saying here, he says, I have all power. I have all authority. And not just authority, but I have the power to see that it's done. Okay, look at verse 19 now, what he commissions his disciples to do. Verse 19, he says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations. So because of my power, go teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Now, oftentimes when we think of the Great Commission, for better or for worse, I don't think it's intentionally, but for better or for worse, we think about the going part. Now, is the going part important, yes or no? Yes, it's important. It's important to go. It's important to take the gospel, the news of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to the uttermost parts of the earth. That is important. It's a good thing. But we don't, I think, regard the second verse here, verse 20, as importantly as we do the first. Look at verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And then Jesus says, Amen, which means, may it be so. Now, we talked about this morning what he hungered for. You remember what Jesus hungered for? He, the disciple says, come on, let's eat. And he says, my meat, what I'm hungering for, is that the will of my Father will be done, that people will be saved. And I, I believe, because Jesus was 100% God and 100% man, I believe, can you imagine the enthusiasm and the anticipation welling up in his physical body as he looked out upon that field that was white already to harvest, and he knew they were going to be saved. And being a human being, just as he wept, emotion, just as he was grieved, emotion, I imagine this, that particular day, in the Gospel of John, as we studied, he had a great deal of emotion welling up within him, and it was uh, enthusiasm, joy, for what was about to happen. Let's pray, and then we'll, we'll look at these verses here tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, help us, I pray, as we consider your word. Uh, help us to be balanced, Lord. Um, balanced in your word. Guided by your word and your spirit. Help us to understand, as we contemplate this idea of the Great Commission, and particularly uh, an area of the Great Commission that is esteemed lowly as maybe not as important. And, uh, Father, I pray that you would help us to see ourselves as disciples, learners of you. And help us to know how we ought to walk 
in this role that you've given us to walk in. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now, there were, and we'll get to know them better as we go along, not in this series. This is just going to be this uh, tonight and the next Sunday night, Lord willing. It's just a little blip on the radar. But, you know, it's much bigger than a blip. Because what I'm going to give you tonight and next week, I might call um, our philosophy for ministry at Trinity Baptist Church. Why we do what we do. Why we do what we do. Now, you can name whatever program we have. You can name, we can talk about Sunday nights gathering and Sunday mornings coming together and Sunday school. Everything that we do in the office during the week. Every choir number that's sung. Everything we do on the platform on a Sunday morning comes back to this study that I'm going to give you tonight and and next week. And uh, as parents, as parents... Uh, You ought to make some application in your lives regarding discipleship. Are you discipling your children? Are you leading them? Are you teaching them Christ? Um, And it really does boil boil down to this. So look again at verse 20, and I want to emphasize this. He says, of course, after verse 19, where they go and they teach and people are saved and they baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost... And then he says in verse 20, after all of that is done by Christ's power in verse 19, in verse 20 he says, we're to teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And he promises his power and his presence that's going to make this possible. Um, You have in your handout there a quote by Jim Berg, and it's a good quote, and he says this, without a passion to disciple believers to Christ-likeness, Through the ministries of the church, the church will focus merely on perpetuating its programs, and the sheep will grow sickly and unfruitful. That is a good statement. That is a good statement. A a church, if we lose sight of the Great Commission, and particularly discipleship, we forget why we exist. Um, we'll look at what takes place here on a Sunday night as kind of an unimportant thing. We'll look, we'll, we'll, we'll look at Sunday morning and we'll think, you know, what is the purpose for this anyway? And that's a great question. Why do we gather? What's happening when we gather together? Are we just wasting time? Are we just looking for pastor to inject some sort of vision into us and give us something to chew on for the next couple of days to get us through? What, what's happening I mean, and I'll, I'll put this out there. Wouldn't we be better off? Um, I mean, we're, we're saved, so wouldn't, wouldn't we be better off to go out and knock on doors and pass out gospel tracts? I mean, wouldn't that be more important than us sitting down together under the Word of God? And see, when we don't understand verse 20 and its importance and its part and its parts of the Great Commission, it actually leads us off track. It will actually lead us away from what God has directed us to do. So, again, he says, without a passion to, to disciple believers to Christ's likeness through the ministries of the church, the church will focus merely on perpetuating its programs, just, just living to, to fund its programs and to man its programs, and the sheep will grow sickly and unfruitful. And i got to tell you, as your pastor... I am dedicated to seeing that that does not happen. And 
Sometimes I talk with my pastoral staff, and I want to know about the health and the well-being of the sheep that are manning the programs. I'm thankful for programs. I love organization. But my passion and my burden is you. Is you. You are my ministry. And you, and you, as members of Trinity Baptist Church, we ought to have the right perspective on one another, too. We ought not just look at one another as a means to an end. If I could just get George to sing solos, then I'd be happy. I don't know what his problem is. You know, when will he get right with God and finally sing solos? And sometimes, sometimes we tend to look at one another that way. I just could, if I could just squeeze a little bit more out of the sheep. That's wrong thinking. Okay? That's wrong thinking. So, uh, and this is not in your notes, but you might write it down. It's overly simple, but I think it's important. We are either making disciples or we are not. Um, And I want you to think about that. We're either making disciples or we're not. You are either a disciple or you are not. I'm either a disciple of Christ or I am not. And so, in everything that we do, we're either making disciples or we are not. The word disciple, and here's uh, a definition here, and it's, I think it's on the screen as well. The word disciple means a learner, a pupil, one who learns. That's what a disciple, that's what it means to be a disciple. A disciple is a learner. I've defined a disciple as being a follower of Christ, and to a degree that is accurate. Um, however, at its, at its root, the word disciple means to be a learner. And, and the Great Commission verses are not only a commissioning to proclaim the gospel, though they are that. They are a commissioning to make disciples. Jesus Christ commissioned, he thrust into service these men, and not just the eleven, but all who would learn of him, all who would be taught by him, All who would follow him, he commissioned them to make disciples. And you see it there in verse 20. He says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And I'm getting the card a little ahead of the horse here, but what is it that God has commanded you? What commandments, what things have you learned from the Lord Jesus Christ? You you should be able to say, I I can't, it's not all coming to my mind right now. I've, I've taken in a lot. Okay, what you've taken in from the Word of God, the written Word of God, by the living Word of God who lives within you, the Spirit of God, it's our responsibility to teach others what we've been taught. That's our responsibility. It's our responsibility. All right, number one. Number one, I want to look at some examples of discipleship. And so we're going to leave our text, so we're going to be coming back to Matthew 28 but I want to look at some examples of discipleship. And discipleship is God's program for the local church. And we have a lot of other programs. We have multiple Sunday schools, and I love that. They're, I'm so glad we have them. Uh, I'm glad for this property. I'm glad for the building. I'm glad for our staff. I'm glad for a lot of things that we have. But this is God's program, what we're actually looking at here. Examples of discipleship. God's program. This is the biblical model. Letter A. Letter A. Jesus taught 11 men who taught men and women from all nations. 
Jesus taught 11 men who taught men and women from all nations. Now, you're in Matthew 28. Look at verse 16 for just a moment. It says in verse 16 of Matthew 28, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And it talks about how they worshipped him. And then he comes down to verse 19 and 20, and he gives the Great Commission in verses 19 and 20. Go into all the world. I'm going to be with you. I have power. I have the authority to send you. I have the power to empower you, to enable you to do what I'm commissioning you to do. And when you're there and people get saved and you baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, I want you to teach them everything that I've taught you. Everything that I've taught you. And this wouldn't have only been the things that he would have taught them during his time with them. This would have been the Word of God that he was talking about. The Old Testament. I want you to teach them these sort of things. Letter B. Letter B. Another example of discipleship. Jesus taught Paul and Barnabas, who taught many. Look with me to Acts, would you? Book of Acts, chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. By the way, some of our missionaries do a great job um, keeping the Great Commission biblical, following the Great Commission. God led them as in an individual to a foreign place, just like in some ways God led you to where you are today, here. And they're seeking to be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ in their life on a personal basis. They're trying to walk in the Spirit. They're trying to point people to Christ. They're leading people to Christ as God gives them the increase. And they're staying and they're teaching and they're equipping those believers and helping them to grow in the truth so that those believers can teach others also. Okay, so that's, that's biblical. That's God's program. And we're supposed to be doing that here as well. Acts chapter 11 and verse 25. I'll read verses 25 and 26. It says, Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. Now Saul had just gotten saved. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. Verse 26 of Acts 11. They taught much people. And notice what the church is called there. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. So Jesus taught Paul and Jesus taught Barnab- or Paul and Barnabas, and then they went in turn and taught many. Look over to Acts chapter 14 and verse 21. Acts chapter 14 and verse 21. Acts 14 verse 21 says, "And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had taught many, and returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch. Now, all I want to draw your attention to there is that while they were there, they preached the gospel, and they did what? They taught many. This is the Great Commission. They didn't just go preach the gospel. They stayed and they taught. They answered questions. And by the way, we all ought to be willing to ask questions. There's Everybody in this room has questions. Isn't that true? You should. You should. You should have questions. There should be times you say to yourself, why do we do that? Why? Why do we do that? Now, I'm not saying with a scorner's attitude. I'm not doing that. No. But a good, a wise, ask questions. Why do we do that? Why, does the Bible say that somewhere? 
And we ought to be able to talk to one another, and we ought to be able to help one another. Yes, actually, this is where it, it says that. This is why we do what we do. But they stayed. They made disciples. That's what they were doing. Letter C. Letter C. Another example of discipleship is that Jesus taught Paul, who taught Timothy, who was instructed to teach faithful men. Timothy was to teach faithful men who would teach others also. Now, look to Galatians, would you? Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, and this is God's program. That's what we're seeing here. This is his biblical model. God, the Lord Jesus Christ, is teaching others. Eleven men who taught men and women from all nations. And Jesus taught Paul and Barnabas who taught many. Jesus taught Paul who taught Timothy who was instructed to teach faithful men who would teach others also. You're in Galatians chapter 1. Look at verse 12. He says, For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says, I wasn't taught by men, God taught me. The Lord Jesus Christ revealed these things to me. Okay, so Paul had been taught by the Lord Jesus Christ. And look over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. Are you there? As it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, and the things, now this is Paul telling Timothy, he's giving Timothy instruction. Look at verse 1, he says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And so, that's verse 1 of chapter 2, 2 Timothy. And so what he's saying there is God expects us to succeed by being in, in dependence, in depending upon him. In other words, remember who you are, Timothy. And then in verse 2 he says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. So in Galatians 1, Paul says, A man didn't teach me, God taught me by the Lord Jesus Christ. And now Paul is telling Timothy, The things that you've heard of me, Timothy, the things that I've taught you, I want you to commit, I want you to to entrust those truths to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now, we'll we'll talk more about that a little bit later. But when you and I, you and I need to use discernment and discretion with our time in discipleship. In other words, there are times where someone will take as much time as you will give them but they are not a faithful man. And it takes, it's going to require the Spirit of God's leading in our lives and wisdom because you can invest a lot of effort into someone who never, who, who really isn't serious about it. Maybe I could put it that way. They're not receiving the truth. They love your friendship. They love your concern. They love your love but they're not receiving it. And that really can drain the life out of you. Meanwhile, there are others around you who are also needing to be taught, but you're not available to teach them, and they are faithful men who could then learn from you and learn the Word of God and then teach others also, but because we're pouring our life into 
one individual who's unfaithful, we're not being able to pour life into someone else who is faithful. And by the way, this is an admonition for all of us. We all ought to take it this way. We all ought to look at it from the perspective of the one being taught. We all ought to be able to answer the question, am I a faithful man? Or am I, you might say, am I a faithful woman? In other words, am I being faithful with the truths that are being taught to me? Am I taking them? Am I receiving them? And then am I giving them to other people around me? That's a faithful man. And so, again, the example here, uh, letter C, is Jesus taught Paul, who taught Timothy, who was instructed to teach faithful men who would teach others also. Number two in your handout. Number two. Discipleship involves teaching. Now, you can go back, if you would, to Matthew 28. You might have it memorized. If you do, we're only going to look at one word here. Matthew chapter 28 in verse number 19. Or, excuse me, verse number 20, the beginning part. What does he say there? He says, teaching them. That's what we're supposed to do. We're to teach them. This is discipleship. This is the Great Commission. Now, my question is, who is supposed to do the teaching? Well, Jesus is talking to his apostles. He's talking, talking to his disciples. He's talking to people who, are, who have received his teaching. And, uh, and so let's answer that. Letter A. Disciples that have been taught are supposed to be teaching. Disciples who have been taught are supposed to be teaching. Now, in Bible times discipleship was much more than a Sunday school class. Though I'm so thankful for our Sunday school classes, and they are a form of discipleship. Okay? But it was much more than a formal classroom. It was much more than a church service experience. In other words, discipleship is not restricted to a formal sermon. That can happen here. It ought to be happening here. Every time someone stands in this pulpit and opens the Word of God and teaches the Word of God, it is a form of discipleship, okay? It really is. And, and I have a responsibility to rightly divide the Word of God and preach it and teach it to you as it is written. And when I'm sitting in the seat and someone else is standing here rightly dividing the Word of God, I have a responsibility to be receiving it as a learner of Christ, as a disciple of Christ. So, the disciples that have been taught are supposed to be the ones who are teaching. It was common for a disciple to spend a lot of time with his teacher, walking with him and talking with him and eating with him and working with him and traveling with him. Uh, that was a part of discipleship. And before we move along, have you been taught by the Word of God? Have you been taught? Have you, have you sat under Bible teaching? And are you being a good Disciple, are you receiving the teaching? And are you receiving the instruction? Are you learning? Are you receiving God's teaching? Letter B. Letter B. A disciple learns by receiving verbal instruction and by observing the life of his teacher. A disciple learns by receiving verbal instruction and by observing the life of his teacher. And I make the statement there, everything we do should be done with the motivation of making disciples. And I'm talking to you as a church, and I realize I'm teaching this on a Sunday night. I'm not teaching this on a Sunday morning, and I'm I'm not teaching on a Sunday morning on purpose. I'm teaching it to those of you who are here almost all the time. You're serious 
about gathering with the church. It's important to you. So, you can, we ought, and this is the way I think, I ought to be able to look at anything and everything we do here at Trinity Baptist Church, from the men's softball team or the women's softball team, to the choir, to the special music, to the instruments, to the way we arrange our, arrange our services and order our services, to every Sunday school class, to what we do in the office with our staff, youth group, junior church, our U recovery. Um, we take some time in August to do some August outreach, right? Harvest Fest, everything. And I have gone down a list, and I think this way, and we ought to think this way, everything that we do ought to be for this purpose. Everything we do should be done with the motivation of making disciples and being a disciple. So, music, programs, meetings, sermons, fellowships, events, themes. Last year we had a theme. Um, I will honor God. Study, prayer, sermon series, Sunday school, Sunday morning. I named some of these things already. Work days. We have a work day coming up. And you know what I'm thinking? And this is the way I want our staff to think. How does a work day affect discipleship? Is there any connection there? Or is it just a day to pick up sticks? Hopefully it's not raining, right? And so, am I being a disciple? And, and are we making disciples? Are we teaching others? Are we leading others, new believers? And not just new believers, but other believers. Some who have been saved for many years. Am, am I being used of God to help lead somebody who's been saved for a long time in following the Lord Jesus Christ and learning Him and being taught by Him? Because that's my responsibility, and that's your responsibility as well. We can do this. We ought to be doing this. Letter C, some distractions. Oh, I, did I go the wrong way? Oh, there it is. Distractions. Letter C, distractions that keep us from making disciples. What are some distractions that keep us from making disciples? Well, hobbies can do that. Now, let me tell you, can a hobby be used to help make a disciple? Yes, absolutely it can. Sure, softball. Not a whole lot spiritual about softball. But a couple years ago, we saw a detective from one of our local departments get saved. And it really, as a direct result of softball, played a role in that. You know, walking some of our games and sitting on the bench together. And stuff's coming out of his mouth to me and to others. And guys are praying for him and getting to know him. And he ends up, getting, he ends up trusting Christ as a Savior. By the way, pray for Doug. You know, he texted me last week, and he said, I need you to pray for me. I'd like to meet with you. So God's not done working in a man's life, okay? Um, sometimes we want to see someone get saved and be ultra-faithful, more faithful than we are, you know, that kind of faithful. That doesn't work that way necessarily. And we'll talk about that a little bit later as well. Um, so distractions, hobbies could be a distraction. Don't let it be a distraction. Have the right balance. Family family out of balance. You make your, if we make our family an idol, it can actually keep us from making disciples. Sin, personal sin in our lives. It's hard to lead somebody to follow Christ if we ourselves are not. It really is. So sin, wrong goals. 
Are, you, are, are my goals right? Are your goals right? I think of my children in this. You know, I had to look at my children as disciples. I had to teach them to follow Christ and to teach them about him, to learn about him. But, but am I, are, my goals, are my goals right? Um, so that if they follow my goals, are they going to be following the Lord Jesus Christ? Work, the, our workload. Some of you carry a very heavy workload during the week. And there's, to a degree, that's, that doesn't move. You can't, you can't say, sir, I'm trying to make disciples here, so if I could just not have these projects on my plate for the next month, that'd be great. It doesn't work that way, does it? You can't do that. So you have to balance things as best you can and then take what the Lord gives you and, and trust him. Prayerlessness. Prayerlessness will keep us from making disciples. A busy schedule. Sometimes we complain about our busy schedule, but... Oftentimes, we do have some influence about how busy it is and what it's busy with. A lack of Bible study, a lack of understanding, a lack of wisdom. And uh, beware of losing focus of the Great Commission. In other words, don't be distracted by the things of this life. I love it. Uh, Some of you in this room, Arnie is a car guy, through and through, Ford, all the way, right? Yeah, and, um, you know... Ernie and Carolyn will sometimes go to a car show or something like that. You'll take the truck with you in the camp, or a camper show, show a camper. Um, I think it's great. They're rubbing shoulders with people that I'll never meet. Some of you are musicians, and you, you, you have a niche with people. You interact with people that I'll never meet, I'll never interact with. They wouldn't give me the time of day. You know, Pastor Burden, a photographer, you know, he knows people that I'll never meet. So don't, you know, Jake, you're meeting people uh, in different ways with your tree business. You know, some of you are working in the shop. You know, every, God has given us different things. And we have opportunities to, rub, to point people to Christ and to help bring God to their conscience. Conscious. They're not even aware of him half the time. And, uh, and then... God gives us opportunities to teach, so don't lose focus of the Great Commission. I want to speak to our pastors for just a moment, although this is for all of us as well. But you know, we ought not preach to please people. That's not our ultimate goal. Now, i got to tell you, I love it when you're pleased. I do. Um, you say, well, it sure doesn't show, Pastor Ferguson, you know, because you know, we're not pleased, and you know, it just doesn't show. That was a joke, okay. You should laugh at that for me. I'm going to get a, a complex. But you know, I love to please you. I, I want you to come and think, wow, that was awesome. Wow, that was great. He's the best pastor ever. He's the best preacher on the face of the globe. But you know how fleshly that is? You, you, you're following me here? My flesh. Now, don't... Don't hold back your compliments, because I do enjoy them, okay, in a good way. And I need the encouragement from time to time. But you know, as pastors, our ultimate goal is not to tickle people's ears. It's not to be lifted up in the eyes of people. The ultimate goal that we have is to teach the Word of God. And it ought not, we ought not to make it as boring as we possibly can. But our ultimate responsibility before the Lord is to teach the Word of God. And we're not to follow an entertainment model that's man's wisdom. 
We're not to just develop a program so we can get warm bodies in a building. That's not what Christ said. He said, go and teach. People will be saved, baptize them, and then you stay and you teach them whatsoever things I have commanded you. And I don't think every time Jesus Christ, Christ preached, his, his apostles were just hanging on every word. In fact, I know at one of the most trying times of his life in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he departed a ways to pray, his disciples were nowhere to be found. They were completely asleep. So everything he said, they didn't hang on every word or on every action of our Lord Jesus Christ. So ask yourself this question. In every area of church program and ministry, how is this program going to aid the teaching of the Word of God in the hearts of the believers? Pray. And ask God, God, use me to make disciples. Number three, and uh, we'll finish with this one. Number three, discipleship involves teaching them. So it involves teaching, number two, but it also involves teaching them. And that's what he says. And who are the them? Well, the them are all those that have received the gospel. Doesn't it rejoice your heart when you hear about the them in foreign lands, when a missionary, you read a missionary letter, and one of the them that they've been praying for has finally believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and there's this rejoicing. Um, don't you love it when missionaries come back and they tell you about uh, somebody that they were praying for and they were ministering there for years, and finally that person came to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, and now they're a faithful member of that church there in that country. Doesn't that rejoice your heart? Rejoices my heart. You know what? It ought to rejoice our hearts when that happens in foreign lands. But this right here also ought to rejoice your heart too. Sometimes when we think about the Great Commission, we think about foreign lands. We think about missionaries. We think about evangelism and these terms that are good terms. And they ought to rejoice our hearts. Sometimes we look at this right here. Oh, well, they've been here a long time. They're just supposed to be here. We kind of take one another for granted sometimes. And I want you to know something. And Pastor Tolman, you asked for years and dates that people were saved. And I heard some of you call out when you were saved. Every one of those is an absolute miracle of God. I know on this property, this building's been here a long time. And I know there's a lot of work to be done. I know the world is in desperate need of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But don't you ever forget that what's represented in this room is an absolute miracle of God. And it is no less miraculous than what happens and what's recorded for us and what we read in a missionary letter. I'm not... I'm not despising the missionary letter, okay? If you get that out of this, you, you're misreading me. But I'm saying sometimes we look at that and go, wow. And then there's our church. Don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, I, when I sit up here and I hear you all sing, my heart rejoices. I look out and I go, wow, look at, 
people who have been saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. God saved him, and he saved her, and he saved me. And here we are, and we're trying to be faithful. We're trying to learn about the Lord Jesus Christ. We're trying to follow him. We're trying to train up our kids to love God too. In this wicked world, with this wicked flesh, this is a miracle. It's a miracle. And we would do well to remember this miracle and to praise the Lord for it. The Bible actually calls members of the church disciples. Did you know that? It calls members of a church disciples. Look over to the book of Acts, chapter 9. Acts, chapter 9. Verses 1 and 2. Acts, chapter 9. The Bible calls members of the church disciples. Acts chapter 9 and verse 1. Paul wasn't saved yet at this point. His name was Saul. And it says in verse 1 of Acts chapter 9, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings, he was a Pharisee, and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. He's talking about the churches, the church. He's breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of of this way, any who were Christ's followers, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. He's not talking about the eleven. He's talking about the church. The Bible calls the church or members of a local church, disciples. And we ought to call ourselves that too. We ought to think of ourselves that way as well. And what is a disciple? A disciple, by definition, is a learner. A learner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I ought to be able to look around the auditorium, and I think I can say this. I can look around and say, there's a learner. There's another learner. Mr. Lunny, been learning a long time. Mrs. Lunny. And my parents. And the Mays. And Beth and Brian, it's not been as long. But learners, disciples, well, that's a privileged title. That's a privileged title. To be called a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's a good thing. Oh, you're still in Acts. Look over to chapter 13, chapter 13 of Acts in verse 52. Chapter 13 in verse 52. Acts is an exciting book. I want to preach through it at some point. In verse 52, the church here again is called the disciples. It says the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Talking about the church there. Look over, if you would, with me to another, chapter 20. Chapter 20 of Acts. In verse 7. Chapter 20, in verse 7. It says in verse 7, And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them. So you see the churches coming together. They're called disciples. Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. I'm not going to do that tonight. Verse 8. 
Watch what happens. I'm going to read on a little bit. The point is in verse 7 that the church is called disciples. But in verse 8 it says, And there were many lights in the upper chamber where they were gathered together. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eutychus being fallen into a deep sleep while Paul was preaching. And as Paul was long preaching, Eutychus sunk down with a sleep and fell down from the third loft, the third story, he fell out the window of the third-story building and was taken up dead. <laughs> it probably wasn't funny at the time, but it's funny now. Isn't that funny? That's, come on, that, you have to admit that's funny. Now, here's the great part. Whether he was actually dead and, and he was raised from the dead or whether he was unconscious, they thought he was dead, he ended up being resuscitated, he lived. Okay, so it's a happy ending. But the guy fell three stories out of a window while Paul was preaching long. That's why we have everything on the first floor here. Some of you would be dead a long time ago. That's the truth. All right. So within a congregation of believers, there are different soils. And I'm not going to take time to turn there. I gave you a passage there. There are a diversity of gifts. There are different levels of maturity in believers. First John talks about that. Fathers, young men, children. And the reality is this. God desires that every believer be a learner. You ought to fill that in. You're blank there. God desires that every believer, every single one of us, be a learner. Letter B. God expects pastors to be disciples or learners. Whenever you say the word disciple, it means learner. So I'm not preaching at you saying, you ought to be learners. You ought to be listening and learning. Well, I hope that you are. I hope that I'm a pastor that you can look to and you can learn the Word of God from. That, that would be my responsibility. But I'm not just looking at you saying, Mr. Jennings, you ought to be a learner. I'm saying we all ought to be learners. I ought to be a learner. I'm to be a learner. Pastor Scott's been pastoring a long time. He needs to be a learner. So it doesn't matter how long we've been saved. We're to be learners we're, we're, we're to be both learning and teaching as a pastor. Look over to 2 Timothy chapter 2. We'll just turn to one more after this. 2 Timothy chapter 2. There's the last one we're going to get to in Colossians. You have to see it with your own eyes. It's just wonderful. 2 Timothy chapter 2 in verse 7. Paul here again writing to Timothy, a pastor. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2 in verse number 7. Paul tells Timothy this. He says, consider what I say. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Paul's saying to Timothy. Because you ought to be. I know you're a pastor, Timothy. But you ought to be considering. You ought to be mulling it over in your mind. You ought to be letting it sink in to your heart. Consider what I say. And the Lord give the understanding understanding in all, the, all these things, all things. Look over to verse 15, same, same passage, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. He tells Timothy, a pastor, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God, the word of truth. So Timothy, you're to be learning. You're a pastor, I know, but you're to be learning. Pastors are... God expects pastors to be disciples. We're to be discipling others, pastors, but we also are to be learning. We're to be disciples ourselves. Are you seeing this come together? 
Discipleship is not just a program. Yep, I've already been there, done that, all done. Discipleship, right, Pastor, uh, the, uh, evangelism, missions, but we can't forget the discipleship on the mission field. Well, of course not. It's God's program. It's not just for the mission field, though. It's for here, too. It's the program. This is it. And everything we, ought, we do ought to come back to this. And if it doesn't come back to this, we shouldn't do it. That's how important it is. There's one last truth, and we'll be done here for this, this evening. Letter C. Did I already go by it? There it is. You already had it. Letter C. Diana, I hope you like this sentence. The them are those people that Christ has commissioned us to teach. The them. Who are the them? Brian, who are the them? They're the people who got saved, right? They're the them. We are. Anybody? When Brian trusted Christ, it was 2016? 2017? When Brian trusted Christ, he became a part of the them. Yes, you can ask a question. Did I leave out a blank? Let me give it. Oh, I, oh, I didn't read that scripture passage either. Good, thank you. Not every believer is a disciple, but it is God's desire that every believer be a disciple. So not everybody is a disciple, but it's, God wants every one of us to be a disciple. Now look to Colossians. I, almost, I would have not been able to go to sleep right away tonight if I hadn't read this. Colossians chapter 1 in verse 28. I love this. This is wonderful. Colossians 1 in verse 28 and 29. Colossians 1, 28 and 29 says, Paul says, Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom. Notice the teaching here. He's discipling. That's what he's doing. That we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Why, why the preaching? Why do we gather for so much preaching? Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I love it. I didn't always love it in my life. <sighs> again, again, really? I was immature. I loved this world. I didn't esteem this highly. I didn't honor God. I've grown to love the church. I've grown to love his word. And a disciple is someone that is learning, that's being taught. That's why you come back. By the way, mom and dad, that's why you keep bringing your children back on Sunday night. You don't make the decision, do we keep doing it or not, based upon how well our children behave. Children can be taught to sit, actually. It's amazing. And learn. It really is incredible. We don't make to keep coming based upon, well, is it, re- is it relevant for me? Sometimes I hear, I hear folks pray, Lord, help pastor to preach something that I need. Which part? Which part don't you need? Right? I mean, and I'm not picking on anybody. I'm not picking on you. Because sometimes we think this way. But, you know, moms and dads, we need, to ch- we need to change our thinking. I need every part of this. As a pastor, I feel overwhelmed because how do I give this to you? 
in such a short period of time. And don't take this the wrong way, but some of you are not going to be here by the time I get to certain parts of the Bible. And you've never heard it. You've never studied that part. You don't know it. And you're going to be with the Lord before I ever get to it. And I'm being very blunt. And I feel a pressure. How can I deliver this? And, be, and deliver it the way it ought to be delivered. Not just in piecemeal. And so we go, wow, that was nice. I got goosebumps. We can go home now. But how do I teach it to you? So you can live your life, so you can be a learner of Christ and live your life in such a way so that you can hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what I long for you to hear. Look at verse number 29 of Colossians 1. Paul says, I'm I'm teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. And then verse 29 says, Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working which worketh in me mightily. I am doing this. I am working at it. Why? Because I want you to know the truth. That's why. I want you to know the truth. You know, we all, all of us tonight could have decided, you know, we're going to stay home and watch uh, NCAA basketball game today. And you know what? I like basketball. I like college basketball. But it's not as valuable as this. not even close, is it? I can do a lot of things with my time. You could too. But I want to be a learner. Letter C, I think it's already up there. Do you have it? Not all the blanks, so I'll read it. All right. To them, the them are those people that Christ has commissioned us to teach. And I write, disciple them. The them, disciple them. Teach them where they are. When people believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation of their souls, they don't have all the right disciplines of life. And so be patient. There's a lot they don't understand. They have a lot of questions. Don't we still have questions? They lack wisdom. And they are often still reaping the consequences of their sin, a sinful life prior to salvation. So be patient with them. Suffer long with them. And I do write the word suffer. Suffer long with them. Counsel them. Encourage them. Instruct them. And teach them. And what are we to teach them? We're to teach them the Word of God. We're to teach them Christ. We're to teach them the whole counsel. And we'll get into that next week. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your Word. Thank you for its instruction. Lord, help us. Help me as pastor of this church, but not just me. Help us, this group on a Sunday night, help us to have the right perspective and the right priorities when it comes to the local church and our individual lives. And help us all, give us a vision for what a church ought to be. And help us never to lose sight of that vision. Help us to be Help us to love the programs that we're a part of and be faithful to those. But Lord, help us to never lose sight of this, your program. Lord, that we may stand before you someday and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Lord, that you could call us your disciples because we're learning of you. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You are dismissed.